1: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment. Let us know what you think about the episode. If you have a suggestion for another topic, something you want to hear about, we're always checking YouTube comments. Love to get your guys' feedback and be able to make future episodes out of them. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Clint Cannon. He's the founder and owner of ETS Diesel Performance. And I wanted to ask him about emissions on performance. It's something they've been focusing on for a decade plus. So I wanted to ask how that's coming to fruition with Ford, um, GM, and Ram, the kind of power levels he expects to see out of these trucks. And also ask some transmission questions you guys have asked us as far as 10 speed, 68 RFEs, and uh, the Allison 10 speed. So it's going to be a great conversation. Before we get to it though, I want to remind you guys, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off discount code just for you. Use code 20DSLITKERSHAW.KAIUSA.COM. Great way to save some money on some really cool gear for hunting, fishing, EDC, um, anything in between. They have a new model, uh, it's called the Duralock. It's really cool, it comes with D2 steel, it's fully ambidextrous, and then also When you open and close it, your fingers are completely out of the way. So it's something um, new that they have. It's really cool. Make sure and head on over their website, check it out. And if you're in the market, use that discount code to save 20%. All right, let's get to today's episode with Clint Cannon of ATS Diesel Performance and talking about emissions on performance, transmissions, turbos, a bunch of different things. Clint, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today, learn more about uh, ATS, different products. There's a ton of questions I got to ask you that I've been compiling for a while, but uh, really looking forward to our chat today
0: looking forward to it. Always a pleasure.
1: You guys are always, uh, you guys are moving fast. I see, I've seen a lot of things for, for years, you guys are rolling out, but you'd mentioned before the podcast, something really cool that, uh, it's either just released or just going to be released that I know a lot of the Duramax owners and shop owners and people out there are really going to love. So I wanted to have you tell us a bit more about that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's been almost nine months now that GM, has been on backorder for the T14, or also known as the 850 controller um, for the late model six-speed Duramax's. Um and you know, unfortunately, right now there is like 7,400 on backorder. That means there's we were hearing like 8,000 trucks out in the out on the uh, in the world, you know, that are basically dead in the water. So. We heard about that. Um, you know, we were actually in the process of converting from our A50 controller, which is it's kind of like this little square box, right? Um, we're in the process of converting from the A50 controller to the T87 on our Alice conversions. Um, and you know, the the reason we wanted to switch over just because it's such it's a newer computer, it's faster, it's it's cleaner. You know, we can get it. It's, it's it, it's just such a it's such a better TCM. But when uh, we heard that the A50s were going out of production potentially forever, um, definitely for some extended amount of time, we decided to kind of switch gears a little bit and work on a T87 conversion that will that essentially is a drop in one hundred percent drop in replacement of the A50 controller. So all of those six speed Allisons. Um basically, you know, from like oh eight to um 2014, 15, Um delay that entire spread. In fact, we're offering it, we're working on it now. So we'll have the A40 controller, which is basically oh six to current trucks, because we just heard that the A forties are now coming um extinct and they're not gonna bring them back. We decided to go ahead and put some resources into building a drop-in TCM replacement for all these A50 controllers. And essentially what we ended up coming up with is a um, controller that is a plug and play deal, kind of like this. And then this is the actual article, but it uses the our translator that's strapped on the backside of the T87. And we basically translate all the vehicle information to the T87, have the T87 control the Allison transmission, and we translate that information back to the vehicle. So the driver is a completely seamless operation um, plugs in it goes but it's also it comes with an unlocked tcm um, which means it can be programmed it, it comes with our tune in it so we really kind of dial in and customize the tuning although the T 7 didn't really need it you know we can really dial it in just by some little things but one of the most exciting parts of it is because we're using the translator which is also our new copilot module between it. when you plug this in you get basically a copilot the translator copilot technology with the t87 so you not only get a brand new t87 that has brand new um, super fast circuitry new processor and the new calibration but it also has the copilot functionality which means it has increased line pressure and enhanced converter clutch control and with all that that means the factory transmission will hold a lot more power um, and it, the d rates less so we were able to turn off some of the um, factory d rating to the engine. So the engine actually makes a little bit more power or it doesn't make less power, so to say, like it would with the A50. So we're pretty excited about that. I mean, it's, it's just kind of like the path of, you know, where I've been t- trying to take ATS with the technology of, you know, the, there's so much cool technology, new technology to bring in these older trucks that just fixes problems. Yeah. You know, so this particular product, you know, fixes a problem that, All these guys trucks are dead on the side of the road but it also enhances the drivability you know and it's going to give them you know breathe some more life into it so you know that's 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 an exciting new product that um we're just releasing you know this month it's
1: such a key it's such a key part of it because i think i've seen um, different posts or i don't know when it kind of popped up on my radar but People couldn't get a TCM for one of those older trucks and you'd see them on eBay. or something for, I don't even remember how many thousands of dollars people wanted. And you're right.
0: $6,000 today.
1: Yeah. Like that's <laughs> the, And you it's know, insane. these trucks, it's crazy to think that they're getting almost, I don't want to say outdated, but they're not being supported by the manufacturer anymore. Like, you know, third gen Cummins parts are now starting to get tough to get. And so this, you know, the market has moved towards people keeping their trucks longer or, they're getting rid of their new ones and they're wanting to go back yeah. to something a little bit simpler, but they're wanting, um, you know, for it to be reliable. So I think that's going to be a massively huge, a huge hit for ETS and Duramax owners.
0: You know, I mean, when I, when I started looking at the truck world, you know, we're, 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 we're just getting older, Patrick, but you know, <laughs> being in the business for 30 years now that, uh, trucks are, you know, for the last 20 years, trucks have been built nice. You know, really nice. I mean, you know, you go back, for instance, like an '06 Duramax, for instance, or, you know, 06 Dodge, you know, those trucks aren't built much differently than the trucks we buy today. The difference is the trucks we buy today have a lot of technology in them. You know, the engines are generally the same. I mean, of course, the after treatment system, you know, is a, obviously, you know, talk about emissions, but when you're talking about the actual truck, the interior, you know, the way they drive, the ball joints, you know, the the, the all the attributes about them. They're not substantially different than something you buy today, you know. So they're so to your point. I mean, they hold up, you know, and that that certainly has a lot to do with why the resale is. I mean, the amount of calls we get on seven threes, you know, is just blows me away, like staggering. You know, is is another one of those deals, and and the the whole seven three. You know, I'm kind of on a personal mission to, you know, you're gonna laugh at me, but I'm I'm really on a personal mission to, to help these seven, three guys out and give them some really exciting new technology, which is right around the corner, which I don't think we'll talk about today because I don't have it ready to sell, but I will tell you guys that the seven, three guys are going to be very excited about a few products that we come out with here in the next few months that we're really close to. And we're going to talk about some of those today, but not necessarily about the seven, three.
1: I'll have to, I'll make a note to ask you about that here uh, pretty soon when it's, when it's ready, you know, I was thinking about a little bit of podcast trivia, because it's either listeners have asked me or sometimes we'll get an email in and somebody will say, Hey, Patrick, I've been listening, you know, for years now, and I really want to work in this industry. How do I do it? Or I'm thinking about starting a shop. So they asked me for this advice, and I've kind of dropped hints throughout the years, but I've never actually told the story. And I thought it'd be fantastic to chat with you about it, because it's going to lead into two major topics on this podcast. But it was in Late 2010, and I worked in a completely different industry. And I sat back and I thought, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I love trucks. I love diesel trucks. It would be like I'm never working if I worked in that industry. I'd be talking about turbos and transmissions and fueling and racing and all these things. And I had heard of ATS. I knew of ATS, and I think I'd emailed in. And uh, I think he replied back to me pretty quick. And he said, Hey, Patrick, I don't have anything yet, but I think here in a few months I might have something. Um, so make sure and check back in. So I think I bugged you like every month for a few months. And then it was around, I think, January of 2011. He said, hey, I'm ready. Um, you know, I need somebody in the, the sales office. Um, You know, you're you ready to get going. And it was such, well, one, I got to thank you for giving me that opportunity. Because if I wouldn't have had that opportunity, I wouldn't have had a career in this. I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I wouldn't have made all these awesome connections. And so that's the first thing I tell people is, just reach out. You got to just show up, so to speak, and, and try to find that opportunity. And you know, th- that was a, a huge thing. But if, when I look back to that time, I was just a sponge. You know, I wanted to learn about a turbo I'd go back to the turbo shop. I had a question. I didn't know how a co-pilot worked or, you know, what's uh, what's up with this clutch bag and a transmission and knock on your door, go into your office and ask you questions. And one of the main things talked about back then while well, you were talking about it was emissions compliance. And the rest of kind of the community or the industry was like, ah, it doesn't matter. We're going to delete, 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 you know, it's not a big deal. And I look at things in 2023 and over the last few years, now it's like, okay, I need to design these products to fit. And I wanted to ask you about that vision that you had, because I can't say it was necessarily popular outside of, you know, maybe say the building. But you were talking about emissions testing. You were talking about designing a turbo kit where it left the emission systems on. You're talking about all these products working with the factory equipment, but giving better performance. But where did that vision come from and why is it at such a core of the things that you build and offer?
0: You know, that uh, that, that almost gives me chills listening to that. So it's kind of interesting that it's that it's uh, that's the. That was the view that you had back then, but, you know, I I mean, I've always been very much a technology guy and the emission stuff always intrigued me because one, you know, it's clean, you know, and I was never, I mean, I've always been, you know, into sled pulling and drag racing and like huge horsepower, but, you know, I've always felt that having the technology behind it and understanding the technology that we could have the best of both worlds. You know, and in, in, in those days, boy, it was a struggle because the technology kind of didn't really exist. I mean, it was, it, was, it was a quick thing that was just brought on by the government that, you know, told the, the manufacturers that you have to get these things clean, you know, or you have to stop building trucks. So they, you know, threw a filter on it and the technology wasn't great. You know, we look back in the six fours, you know, they, they never worked it in. They, you know, they don't work today, but, you know, it's one of the things they had to live with, you know, as the newer trucks started coming around. You know, we started figuring out, you know, how the how the after treatment systems work and how deaf works and, you know, how that goes together. But to kind of answer your question, you know, I was always very intrigued with it, you know, because of the technology that are required to actually make power, keep it clean, you know, and and the and the other part of it was, you know, just knowing that, you know, at some point. You know, this is going to be regulated. It's going to be mandated. It's going to come down on our industry, and it's going to make it really difficult for us. And you know, I wanted to make sure that ATS was in a, in a spot that we were investing into how to make these things work, how to get the technology to all work together, how to how to build the turbochargers, get our airflow that we needed, um to make sure that we you know keep the industry alive. I mean, my vision's always been. In diesel and and with being the in diesel enthusiast is you know make sure that we have the the understanding how to make this stuff work and we can keep these trucks on the road because I mean at the end of the day you know they've been really pretty instrumental on taking our trucks away you know I mean taking all our fun away right I mean these trucks that the, that look at what's going on in California I mean they've just they've just uh, passed the standard that twenty three no more gas or diesel trucks will be allowed to be on the road anymore. You know, obviously, that's not going to happen because it's just this, the technology doesn't exist. But they are going to continue to push until it actually is a viable thing. And and to me, you know, I love the. I mean, I love the older trucks. I love a truck that makes a ton of torque and a ton of horsepower, and you only get that with diesel. You don't get it with gas. And you know, it might as well if it's going to be even cleaner and you're going to get all this power, then more power to us, that means we're going to be able to to rage on these things in the road and, you know, have a good time, pull our trailers, you know, get the efficiency. Um, You know, there's really, you just can't hardly beat them. You know, so, so, you know, that was a long time and a lot of investment. You know, I felt that we probably had 10 years, you know, to really wrap our minds around how these systems work and continue to pour money in it. And Patrick, we poured money into this stuff you know, into the development and the research and just figuring out how things work and what's going to happen. And, and you know, 10 years later, you know, what it ended up really doing for us is it really raised the standard, you know, the, the understanding of how turbochargers work. I mean, throughout those days, you know, we were, th- this was right when after Dream systems hit, you know, we're trying to figure this stuff out. And we were and we we're in the midst of understanding what turbo efficiency is and how compressor wheel design works. And you know, later on, you know, we really shifted gears into turbine section and, and turbine technology, which is something we'll talk about a little bit, you know, today. You know, is, is our um our VFR and BNT turbo series, how that's really made the, the diesel performance, you know, the emissions on diesel performance world um sustainable and so fun. Um, so you know, I mean, everything just really everything just really ties together, you know, with with everything that we've done throughout the years. But You know, having, you know, having the ability, you know, to to build a team like we have here at ATS and continue to play in the toy shop and engineer and dyno test and and have all that technology kind of combined into a, a, a sellable product, you know, is exciting for the diesel industry, you know, super exciting for me.
1: I think that's the, if I was to put my finger on one thing that all, that all diesel enthusiasts would drew them. Um, into the was really the ability to be able to take a truck, say one of those older ones, and it, there's a thousand stories or millions of stories that's happening is you'd buy a third gen five nine you throw a smarty on it, an intake an exhaust, you break your transmission, you upgrade your transmission now you 're doing a turbo injectors, head studs, upgrading the c p three and you could make really good power that that was usable and then it seems like there was a Almost a dark time for a while with these newer trucks, where you could have all this technology, all these amazing things in them, but you're limited by how much power that, that that you could get with it. And I think enthusiasts and truck owners have been looking and excited for a company or companies to be able to step forward and say, "Hey, I can give you 600 horsepower, and you can travel to all 50 states, and you can emissions test it, you know, no matter where you live, and maybe even more power." And so I think that's What's really has me excited, and I, I know a lot of our listeners are as well, is to see these products, to see these trucks, to see these videos um, that you guys do showing a dyno, showing towing you know, a trailer up I-70 and say, I can have all this and have my truck where I don't have to worry about how do I emissions test it or am I going to get pulled over or can I go visit family in California is it going to be an issue? That's really the future of it, and I'm excited to see where that goes with power and technology, which I'm sure you guys are hard at work on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's and it's definitely coming to fruition now, you know, after after years of work, you know, in the and it's not just one product. I mean, it's not just in the turbocharger or just in the software, you know, it's in the electronics, it's in the transmission, it's the way these systems work together, you know, and then especially getting those things to all work and then actually getting them through certification so you can legally drive them in a state like California or, by the way, a state like Colorado now. You know, since Colorado adapt, adopted the carb standard, I mean, we're kind of a we're kind of a baby version of, unfortunately, of what happened with California. You know, it was it was some years ago. You know that we were dealing with California. You know, we were always we everybody was selling to California, and it was illegal to sell to California. But there's a lot of companies selling to California without EO numbers. Um, because they weren't getting enforced on, just like the UK is doing today. Well, then California decided to start enforcing, and everybody got in trouble, and everybody stopped selling to California, and then people started kind of getting EOs. Well, Colorado and many other states, we're sitting in that realm exactly as we were, you know, years ago with California that Colorado now is starting to test and it won't be long before they'll be testing diesels just like California is testing diesels today. And it certainly, you know, is not going to be by my watch that all of these trucks, you know, all of our customers and everybody that lives in Colorado and, you know, these other states, you know, that they're not going to be able to purchase the products to keep their diesels on the road. You know, it's just, it's it's a terrible thing. It's a nightmare. I mean, one day, one day you wake up and you're, you're, you love diesel that you've been driving for 10 years. You roll into the mission station and they say, oh, by the way, you don't pass anymore. You can't get your plates. And like, wait a minute, passed last year. Like, well, last year it was illegal. Two years ago, it was still legal. The difference is now we've caught up and we're going to test this stuff and you're not legal. So that day is coming. And I want to make sure that ATS has the remedy, you know, for for all these guys that are out there that are, you know, have their, fantastic trucks that they don't end up in this situation where you can't get plates anymore because it's not legal. So, you know, the, the exciting thing about it is, is we're on track. I mean, we're a hundred percent on track for that. You know, these uh, diesels, you know, we are driving today street diesels, you know, making, you know, 1, 1,200 foot pounds of torque and, you know, five, 600 horsepower is it's here, you know, it's here today, you know, and being able to do that legally with something that actually has a carb number and it's getting better. You know we're um, we're pretty close to um, getting through compliance on our compound setups. You know for all the RAM trucks, and and that's exciting. You know when you get when you have an EO number on compound turbochargers, you know for these trucks, I mean it's cool. That's that is a that's a neat vehicle to drive. You know something that's truly you know a six hundred horsepower truck that is that is one hundred percent legal, and and it require I mean it requires electronics and it requires you know hard parts it requires the turbo i mean it's it's the whole package you know it's the way it's all all tied together but but we're it's it's kind of getting easier you know I mean, now that we're understanding everything and and these uh vehicles are built so well and we have so much access to every single component of it and i will say that california is actually getting um they're getting easier to work with they went through a really big upset um, this last year with car they kind of turned everything upside down they had a lot of they had a lot of changes and they and they and they struggled for a little while but our interactions with them you know over the last six months has been honestly has been pretty pleasant you know so i think they've identified that the the legislation that's out there that the requirements for shop owners like us that when we are manufacturing these products that we have to have a reasonable way to get through compliance and to get certification on our on our products and 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 i feel that they're working diligently to make it easier for us to to actually make that happen so so to me you know the day of uh, diesel you know it's bright you know it's exciting we're definitely we i think we've certainly passed the gone through the dark ages you know of diesel which they were they were pretty dark you know for a while and 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 they were really really dark for some people Um, but you know it, it's looking good and with with all the new products you know that that we're about to release i mean it's super exciting i mean going all the way back to the to the 24 valve guys you know it's it's going to be cool
1: what are some one of the the questions I, i'm genuinely curious about myself is what kind of power numbers in general not specific but you know on a newer 67 a newer 67 ford or an l5p or maybe we're going a little farther back like lml trucks how much power overstock can can the truck support with the proper air the proper air fuel? You know, assuming um, transmission can hold it over where they were factory.
0: I mean, it's, I mean that that really ultimately is is throttled based on the after treatment system. You know, and the DPFs you know have gotten bigger over the years. You know, the earlier trucks they they I mean they would barely support you know four hundred fifty horsepower like i mean and you when i say barely support it they would not they would they would barely support it for a very short period of time you know they were really more in that 350 range um is all they could support as things moved on um a lot of things changed in the in the after treatment systems and, and they continue to change today and, and luckily for the better um but you know the newer you know, you see you see the newer trucks. I mean, it's it's they pretty much cap out, you know, around that six hundred, twenty-five, six hundred and thirty horsepower range. Um, where they're where they're where you're pushing beyond the threshold. When I say the threshold, you can squeeze them farther than that, but when you start squeezing them past that range, you know, you're you're leaning on them and and they they begin to they they're it's not really sustainable for long periods of time. So You know that's where you know we are having to really work on the burn, you know, in the cylinder. I mean, the engine, the engine. You really have to look inside the heart of the motor and make sure that everything is right inside that cylinder burn. So you're taking all of that stress off the after treatment system. You know, when you when you start taking that off the after treatment system, then you allow it to do its job and breathe better. Uh, So, you know, and that really, I mean, that really, the biggest. The biggest impact on that today is turbocharging, you know and that's why we've been spending so much time on our vfr line and you know moving into the vnt line um you know our vnt packages i mean for years and years and years you know especially when you and i spent time together it was you know we it was all about the compressor right you always taught heard about a, a bigger compressor will and and, and 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 guys started working on actually compressor maps And started to understand what a compressor map does and started kind of understanding what air density does but what's funny is about the turbo world forever it was mostly about the compressor section you know it was just like a bigger wheel you know you have you have eight blades you have six blades you know you have splitters blah 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 all those years i mean we really concentrated not only on compressor design and volute design of course that's one of the reasons why i chose to actually build our turbochargers from scratch not use a whole set or or you know just a borg warner or whatever that might be that generally the industry would kind of play off of you know i chose that let's i have to build this compressor housing this turbine housing we're going to build this so we can have the best of the best right well i mean over the years i mean we just the entire industry just extinguished like everything you could possibly squeeze out of a compressor housing. I really started wanting to focus on the turbine section and you'll see what the manufacturers did, you know, the manufacturers made the switch over to the V to, to the VGT style turbocharger, you know, and, and kind of like bullset set design, which is a kind of a squish plate. You know, if you ever look at one of those, you know, it's kind of an orthodox, you know, a fantastic emissions turbo, not very efficient as far as transferring energy from the engine to the turbine wheel. It's still the same turbocharger in 2007. It's still the same turbocharger that you buy on a 23 truck today. So Cummins chose just to kind of stick with that turbocharger because it works well enough, you know, and and that's fine. But if you start looking at turbo technology, like what Garrett has done and what Borg Warner has done on the new L5P. know all of a sudden we started seeing turbochargers that were getting smaller and they were getting more powerful you know so we started really taking a deep dive into understanding like what exactly is it about the turbine section and the different designs that really will maximize the amount of energy transfer power from that exhaust gas energy into the rotor and you know extract more of that into the rotor instead of going out the the downpipe you know and we started finding that there are enormous advancements in the, in the turbine section of these turbochargers. So, you know, the last few years, we've started morphing our VFR line into um, adding the VNT technology. And you're gonna start seeing that roll out over the next couple, you know, six months to a year, two years. Um, and it's insane, it's incredible how much more efficiency, you know, and that efficiency relates directly to more power better gas mileage, better acceleration, you know, you get, you get everything gets better. And except for the cost of turbo, of course, goes up a little bit because there's a ton of technology that's going into it, but we are, we're just about to release our um, VNT um, turbocharger package for the 5.9 Cummins, which the, uh, you know, the 24 valve guys and the common rail guys, you know, I tell you what, you want to drive a 5.9 that drives really well, you put a VNT turbocharger on that thing, and it is absolutely incredible the low in response and torque you get. So, you know, that whole package not only comes with it's not a VGT turbo, it's a VNT turbo, which that's the very latest, that's 2020 turbine technology on a turbocharger driving the front section, which is our which is our original VFR Aurora turbocharger. So you so we've maxed out. You know, maximizing the efficiency of the compressor discharge, which means you have your density, and maximizing the turbine section, and not only that, but you get a built-in exhaust brake, and it's all controlled by our IntelliBoost uh, uh, standalone controller. So, you know, all the five nine guys for the for for not much more are literally the same cost as a manifold and a turbocharger and an aftermarket exhaust brake. You're going to get everything built into one, you know, for the same amount of money. So, you know, the the, the 5.9 guys, I mean, that's super exciting because now all of a sudden we have, say, you know, you have an 06 truck that is exactly what you want, set up exactly how you want it. It's fantastic. It's awesome. It does everything. You know, the wife likes it. Everything's cool. But you want to upgrade a little bit. Time for a new turbocharger. Upgrade to the VNT. And now you get a turbocharger that's super fast, that gives you more miles per gallon, that gives you an exhaust brake. You know, it, it's just like best of both worlds. So. It's, um, you know, that's that's one small example of, you know, some of the newer technology that we're working on releasing for these older trucks.
1: It's really interesting you mentioned that, because I remember way back when, when the VGTs on the 6.7s were out, guys would try to take that and put it on their 5.9s, and you'd see these, like, in-cab controller things where you would have to, like, control the, you know, the the turbo itself, and then, the the technology just wasn't there to do it, but they wanted that. They wanted that quick response. They wanted a built-in exhaust brake where they didn't have to mount something else, you know, in the exhaust system and just have more complexity to it. And then here in 2023, we're at that point where it's so streamlined to be able to put what's new onto the solder truck that, uh, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, people are wanting to either keep or buy and, and have that uh, kind of old school, you know, five nine four speed or G fifty six or NV fifty <laughs> six hundred setup on
0: it. <laughs> yeah, and and like you say, I mean, it, and it's it's always been the controller, you know, that's really really held us back from that because you know it's, um, you know, like when we were when I was kind of going back and forth deciding what we we're going to do on 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 the turbo, you know, I did a lot of testing, you know, using the whole set turbocharger, using you, I kind of used all of them, you know, I put a six liter turbocharger on it, and and um this this working through it and. A couple of things I found, you know, one primary, primary thing that I found is, is control is so key and it it, it was the hardest part, you know, and there's, I mean, you kind of think back, like, how do you want to control, uh, a a variable turbo, you know, well, that, that is like setting up a wastegate. Um, there's a hundred ways to do it. Right. There's probably 10 correct ways to do it. So. You know, when I start to thinking about it, you understand the efficiency of a motor is a diesel engine. You know, runs best obviously under boost. I mean, a a normally aspirated engine is a turd. You know, they run up to a point, and you run out of air, and you're done making power. So it's a the diesel engine is a very simple system. You know, it it, it, you, you maintain a fuel ratio. When you don't have enough air, you're done making power. You make black smoke. So in order to make power. You know, you have to have oxygen in the cylinder. Well, you know, we know we all we have all these discussions. You know, back pressure. You know, all this this detrimental back pressure. You know, name of the game is uh, you know that that's a that's a huge limiting factor. So who cares how much boost you're making? You know, the, the you, back in your day, right? Guys, you would ask like, how much boost are you making? And you know, I got you trained up. Like, it's not about the boost, okay? It's about the density. It's about how much airflow is going through that motor. And I know that we all got sick of that question. It's like, how much boost is it going to make? Like, it's not about the boost number, it's about the power number. Well, if you look at the BNT today, the way our controller works is our controller, it has a back pressure sensor, it has a boost pressure sensor, it has it has all the inputs, you know, engine RPM, commanded load, all those things. But we essentially run it into a table and our controller shoots for a pressure ratio boost to back pressure. And each engine has like a happy spot where it's running through the RPM, where it's making the most power. And that also depends on driver demand, you know, what you're looking for. If you're looking for cruise, you know, for economy or if you're looking for full power. So what our controller does is it actually is always hunting and it's always basically using the vanes as a pressure regulator to, to maximize or to not maximize, but to uh, search for that perfect boost ratio boost to back pressure based on where the engine is and based on what the driver depends. and i tell them what i mean it's it's awesome it's amazing the kind of power that you can get by you know say you take a five nine engine that's making 32 pounds of back pressure and 32 pounds of boost pressure when you can square up an engine efficiency is out of this roof you know when you start put, pushing in the higher power levels then you then then we then we augment that we, we we move away from that one-to-one pressure ratio but the key is is you know years ago we didn't have the controller technology that would allow us to actually dynamically control that turbo in every single situation because it changes based on air density i mean you come in in the morning you know those veins are in a way different position than when you're driving home at night when the air is hot and them. you know or at high altitude so the key to making the the vnt the variable turbocharger work on these engines is truly the IntelliBoost technology that we've taken all this time to put it together wrap it out so everything is always square the turbo is always where it belongs and and that's really why you know these brand new vehicles they work so well i mean that's that is where the power has come from you know the the in a diesel you know you get better power you know i mean Bottom line is, how are you burning the cylinder? You've got it. the injector technology. You've, you've got to optimize that and burn it as best as possible. But the second part of it is airflow. You know, you have to have airflow, you have to have density, and then you have to, you have to, you know, minimize that back pressure so the air can get out of the engine. So when you when you start tying all that together, you know, and the only way we can do it is is having computers stand between us and the in the vehicle or a, us and the engine, right? You know, we're just kind of telling that computer, I want this much power and the computer does its job to regulate it. And that's essentially what the IntelliBoost is doing for it. To make it even better, when I started doing all this testing towards like the VGT, this this the whole set and moving into a VNT, we started finding that we can run the VNT in this one-to-one pressure ratio where like the whole set with the sliding window design, we could not get it. We could never get it to go to a one-to-one um, ratio. Now there's a lot of variables there you know wheel sizes and all these other things but i mean we're we're talking about a turbocharger that we want to be able to support 600 horsepower on right so that means the turbocharger in general is going to have to be a certain size well when the turbocharger gets bigger with any engine then it makes it more and more difficult to to maintain drivability right we just I mean you knew that from you when you had a, a single aurora 5000 on your 59 you know, and I mean, it, it hauled ass. it made a ton of power up top, but the drivability of the torque wasn't there. You know, so so you start to lose some of that, right? Well, with the with the VGT technology, it got us closer, but we could never get to a one-to-one pressure ratio. With the VNT, we started finding that we could actually get to a one-to-one pressure ratio. And when you can maintain more of a one-to-one pressure ratio, that means you can run that engine through the operating, operating range and ha- at a lower back pressure than what you could Earlier on the earlier turbochargers, which means you have more airflow to the engine, essentially with less stress on the turbo, and that equates to more power from the diesel fuel pushing on the piston instead of going out the tailpipe. So when you start looking kind of at the triangle, you know the turbocharger really is the magic piece of airflow that really makes everything better. You know you start you start loosening up that load in the turbine section. And then you start running the compressor a little bit slower. And when you run that compressor a little bit slower, you're you're, you're more dense in air. So you're in a better spot in the, in the compressor map, which means you're not forcing the intercooler to do as much work. You're not heat soaking as much. And when we look at like circling back on diesels today, diesel performance with after treatment systems and little turbos and everything else, the biggest thing that we fight today and the biggest thing that we are attacking um, that ATS is attacking is sustainability of power. You jump in any truck today, you know, my brand new Duramax, my my daily, um, and hammer on it, start going up the hill. It's making X amount of power. As soon as I start hammering on it, you know, I'm fully loaded, and then things get hotter, EGTs go up. Well, guess what happens? Everything starts derating. You know, these the all these all these engines derate from higher oil temperatures, you know, is number one, higher exhaust gas temperatures, you know, they're, they're pushing them to the point. Yes, they might be, you know, 490 horsepower out of the gate, but when you start pulling your trailer, you know, all of a sudden you're dropping 480, 470, 460. I mean, you're dropping, you're dropping that horsepower down and it continues to drop, you know, until the, until the computer's like, okay, we're cool. We can sustain this, this power, this power level without melting the motor. And that's really, That's one of the, that's, that's our biggest focus here today is really working with what we have and working on the sustainability on not having these things derate and drop power down and, and, you know, just giving that user experience and while maintaining the reliability. So again, diesel's, diesel's cool.
1: So that's where, like you mentioned the power ratings and there's, there's still like this torque horsepower war between the big three every year, there's a change and we think, I don't remember what 12 valves came out with back in the day, 180, I 200, think <laughs> like It was less than
0: 200. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then now that, you know, it's more than double the power. So it's really about using this technology, say with the turbo, and I'm sure with other parts of the truck, to be able to take away stress from it so you're not derating as you're increasing power. So it's more usable then, especially probably while you're towing or have a load behind the truck.
0: Right. Yeah, very much, you know, and, and, yeah, I mean, that rolls right into, you know, the new transmissions, you know, the, the 10 speeds, you know, they, they do it. They're doing a great job of putting that engine, you know, right in its power band, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the most amazing things, you know, like the Alice conversion, you know, the, the, the six, seven, you know, Alice conversion, you know, has fixed the reliability issue more so because, you know, six speed comes out and puts it in, but the six speed conversion you know, put an Allison behind a 5.9, All of a sudden, gets rid of that. You know that four speed transmission. That's that's nineteen sixties technology. You know, very clunky and and you know the I wouldn't even get started on the you know the forty eight um, years of going from a seven twenty seven to forty eight and you know and forty seven forty eight and adding the overdrive and adding a bigger clutch. But I mean, it was very old technology a four speed transmission. You know, putting a Allison transmission behind a five nine is like night and day difference, man. I mean, it's amazing. It's absolutely, it's incredible.
1: We've had a lot lot of questions about that. I'm glad you brought it up. I remember this was probably back in that time frame I mentioned before, you know, guys that say, well, the perfect truck's a Ford with a Cummins engine and Allison transmission. And I think there were some maybe conversions that were out there, but it was always, it never quite worked right. Can you tell us about the technology and the way that you're able to incorporate an Allison behind a 6.7 Cummins or or a 5.9?
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's cool. I mean, we we definitely we definitely ate the whole elephant all at once when we took on the 6-7, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the reason for that because we've had a, we've been, I mean, us, and when I say the the industry, ATS, you know, the industry out there, we've been putting Allison behind Cummins for several years, you know, and Unfortunately, when we put an Allison behind a Cummins, you had to use an adapter plate. And because of the small bell housing on the GM, you had to use the smaller converter, which meant that you were forced to relocate the starter. And the only way you could relocate the starter it had to go closer to the engine to hit to line up with the flex plate, which also means that you have to grind half the block. I mean, you literally have to grind an inch off the side of the block. So Everybody that was doing Alice conversions, you know, for the last 10 years has been forced literally to, to grind an inch off the, you know, inch of material off the block. And that's devastating. I mean, when you think about it, when you look at it, every time you're grinding that block, it's like, oh my God, I it just, I hate grinding this. And then you're, and then it's even worse. You put a six liter starter on it. So you take your coming starter off and you put a six liter starter on the engine and it's turning a smaller flex plate, which means you have less leverage on the engine so the six liter starters turn out to be you know failures i mean guys that were doing these changes it was common practice to carry one or two extra starters and then at that point you could put your dapper plate on then you put your gm transmission in it and then you physically had a transmission that would bolt in behind it and then you had to control it well you know this got kind of popular when guys were putting like mechanical cummins in their fords and they could put an allison behind it and it worked okay so you could use like a pcs controller or whatever that basically would control the allison in a standalone operation well it had all six gears i mean lockup would go in it didn't work great it didn't look at demanded torque or calculated torque i mean it was basically like okay it's time to shift boom make a shift it only used the tcm kind of in a in a backup mode you know in a in a standalone. It, it was just very antiquated so i never got really excited about that i mean we did a couple of them but it just didn't really work. So I thought, man, the, the good way to do this is to build a bell housing. Let's, let's take an Allison transmission and build a, a bell housing, cast a bell housing that will emulate the factory 68 or the ASIN transmission, basically the Chrysler training. So, you know, we went to work, we designed this, got all the tooling built, got right up to the point, And I'm like, I'm not happy with this because we're going to spend all this money building a bell housing and extension housing. And we're going to make this like plug-in transmission, like so clean and and nice, it's not going to work right. It's going to be clunky. It's going to be a standalone. So I'm like, we got to shove this for a little while. So we kind of really want to work on the electronics and understanding like, how can we, how can we integrate, you know, take the Chrysler transmission out and put the Allison transmission in. And the biggest challenge is removing a part of that vehicle, which is the TCM that controls the Chrysler transmission and replacing it with something because all of these computers, they all share information, right? As soon as you remove the TCM from a, from a Ram truck, the park does park reverse, neutral drive, tow haul, cruise control, part of the anti-lock brake system, backup cameras, often the push starter, none of that works anymore. So you take the you take a six seven truck that's a fully integrated platform with the with all the different modules the brake control module the the engine control module the body control the tcm you know all these modules and they're all interconnected and talking And if you take one out it's literally to you know cutting your leg off you know you're going to be able to hop around but i mean your 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 you're life is good it's not the same right so that's been the biggest challenge that was the number one challenge we had to overcome with putting an Allison transmission behind a six, seven ramp. Well, we finally figured it out that we were, we essentially what our translator does is we designed a translator module that completely emulates the factory TCM and we em, emulate it in every single way. So we have the translator module that replaces the TCM of the vehicle. And then our translator module translates information from the vehicle to the Allison computer and the Allison computer back to the vehicle. And when we're translating that information back to the vehicle, that means that we're actually now talking to the to the brake control module and the, and the body control module and the dash and the engine control module. And all of these modules that are that are inter-reliant on each other, we're, we're sending that information back. So we've basically made the Allison become one with the vehicle. So the vehicle believes that it has a Chrysler transmission or transmission control module and the Allison transmission control module believes that it's actually in a Duramax because we put all that information up. So we did essentially exactly what the factory does, but we've just done it with a third party module that we plug in. And that means that everything works, that the entire vehicle works as factory, your cruise control. I mean, all those, you know, like your adaptive cruise control. You know that was a challenge. That was a massive challenge getting all that to work. But the way it works today is you roll your vehicle in the shop, you remove your 68 or your ASIN, you plug in the Allison transmission bell housing and housing and all the linkage pieces. I mean, it literally it it interchanges like a factory Chrysler training. And we send you a wiring harness that you plug the harness in you mount your tcm you plug your tcm into the translator the translator plugs into the factory tcm connector we molded the, the connectors up um, when we built the board so it's 100% plug and play and when i say 100% plug and play i mean it is 100% like plug and play you plug the stuff in you drive it down the road so the evolution of that you know once once we figured out you know that we could make the electronics work then I felt, okay, we're good to go ahead and invest in the bell housing, all that kind of stuff. So now, you know, we have this complete package that allows a 100% integration of removing the unreliable Chrysler transmission. You know, and it's kind of funny you talk about the 6.7 because the 6.7 kind of has two deals, right? I mean, you have the 68 RFE that, that, that they shift great. You know, they're a very smooth transmission. It's a gasoline transmission. It's unreliable. It's too small. So you have a massive value point in 68. The ASIN transmission, on the other hand, is very reliable, but the 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 architecture of the transmission and the hydraulics don't show up. They mainly because the way they're set up in order to make shifts, you know, especially one, two, two, three, and your four, five, they rely on the engine D rate in a huge degree. And that's really the that's really what you know most people hate about the ASIN is it's like the more weight you put on it or the heavier driving the throttle, they just shift like a dump truck. They're just very clunky and they derate and I'm like practically throw you through the window. And that's just not something you can, that you can really get around. I mean, you can, we're getting to the point where we can start kind of tuning around it, but it's inherently the, the design of the 60 or the ACE in transmission. So, so there's kind of two markets there. You know, you one got reliability, one you got a drivability issue. But the nice thing is we have the Alice conversion, so it just plugs into either one. Well, rolling to the 5.9, you know, the 5.9 had kind of its own challenge because on on the 6.7, they have so much data that's being thrown at the TCM that we just had to take all that information, you know, the torque tables and demanded torque and all that stuff and match it up to... The TCM, which is designed because it's designed to be in a in a late model vehicle, so we started kind of matching up that information to make sure it all works well. We get into like a five nine; they don't have any of that stuff. I mean, the five nine is 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 it's a dumb engine. I mean, it has an engine that's controlled by the ECM, and they don't really share information between the TCM and the ECM. You know, the TCM, the 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 transmission is just kind of like, okay, I'm going to go one two three four, you know, and and we're good to go, right? Well, we had to build new technology in the in the TCM, in our standalone TCM for the 5.9 that actually creates all of that stuff. So we have to now create all the wheel speed sensors and the throttle and the engine RPM and the torque table and commanded, you know, torque and all of these things that the T87 is looking for in order to work as it's in a Duramax. and. In itself, you know, that was almost as big of a challenge to create a translator or or a standalone box that would give the, the Allison all of that information. So it would operate the Allison in a standalone operation like a five nine as it does in the 60 is in the uh, uh, six seven truck. So so trying not to get too much in the weeds here and too technical, but. They're they're very separate systems. I mean, they're very they're completely they're different box, different software, different technology, the whole deal. It, 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 at the end of it, you know, the five nine now with the Allison in it works exactly like the six seven does with the Allison in it because of all the commands and allowing the Allison TCM to have all of its information, and that's what was always like in the past. Yeah. It, man, these, T, these TCMs need a lot of stuff.
1: What's well, so cool about There's a couple really cool things. One is, I think the hard part technology with a built Allison has been around, you know, for a while. So, in, regardless of how much power somebody's looking for, there's a recipe for them with the hard parts. But it was always a compromise you had to make with changing the transmission. It was, okay, my Prindle's not going to show, you know, every exactly where I'm at, or how do I get it to start? Where's the neutral safety, or my backup light's going to come on, or, all these things that used to exist now they don't. So like you mentioned, it's plug and play, which I think is going to have a lot of people excited where that used to be the main thing that I think would hold a lot of people up is how am I going to fit it? I got to change all these things. I have to modify the truck. I have to modify the engine block. How's it all going to work? And then I'm left with kind of a shift strategy that I don't really like where now that's gone.
0: Right. Yeah. And and that was the key. I mean, that really has been, I mean, it's a having good drivability, Oh, your vehicle. I mean, these vehicles are expensive. know. I mean they're 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 ridiculously expensive. I mean, in the you know most of these vehicles, you know, they're anywhere from you know sixty five to one hundred thousand dollars vehicles, right? You know, and when you have a vehicle that you literally have that much money invested in, you know, you want to be able to enjoy it. You want to be able to use it. You want to be able to have your cruise control. You know, it needs to be reliable. You know, and and that's the that's all the key points, and and that's exactly why. You know, it just hasn't been available for for so long because it's just it requires. I mean, it's re it's required a team. I mean, I've got a I've got an, an extensive team of engineers. You know, okay. I mean, I kind of sit at the top. and like, I have the ideas, and like, direct, and we get down in the submarine and we start working on ideas. And you know, like, hey, we, this is where we're gonna do. It, how are we gonna do it? And and you know, my guys get all amped up. And I mean, I've got. I mean, literally, I've got a. I literally we were sitting around drinking beer. The other night we were kind of talking about like what it took to bring this Allison to fruition and it was 15 of us you know that were like all working together systematically you know figuring out the wiring harness the software the programming how to we get the board the castings you know you know what version of transmission to use you know what are the what are the what are these models I mean what do we have to deal with like all these different you know I mean for a good example is our translator module, you know, we, we had 17 different translator modules for all these years because we have all different operating systems. So just because it's a different year, I mean, you have 4, 500, 3,500, every time you change an operating system, the way that data is transferred or sent to the TCM is different. You know, cabin chassis, I mean, all of these models. So we're like, oh, great, you know, how are we going to identify, you know, what like what translator to send to this customer, you know, without sending the wrong one. So you know, we got to program the right one. Well, then, you know, we kept working through it. Realized, you know, we can we we identified enough of them that we could start identifying exactly what it is, and we we compiled that information. So now the translator is smart enough. It turns on and it says, "Oh, I know exactly what vehicle I'm I'm in based on that operating system." So. You know, there was some real challenges there, you know, trying to figure that, that out because just because just because you can build it, then you actually have to make it affordable enough where you can actually sell it to somebody, yeah. you know, and it's sustainable. And that's a whole nother deal. But, but, you know, talking about this has been, it's been very exciting, like the camaraderie and the, and the amount of, you know, I mean, what, what you can create when you have the right team around you. And it's, uh, it's cool, man. I mean, have. Uh, you know, being, being you know, being surrounded by people that that are that are smarter than me, you know, it's like, it's my dream. That's the coolest thing that I could ever imagine. And it's, uh, it's, it's, just, it's, it's really cool. It's, we're having a lot of fun on this end.
1: Well, it's, it's really exciting as far as being an enthusiast. Is I think one of the things that um, ATS is known for out there is regardless of what part it is, and I know you've always emphasized this, is you want it to look factory. You want the install. You want it to be clean. You want it to be seamless. So now we're applying this towards an Allison swap in a 6.7 or in a 5.9 or like you were talking about the um, variable turbos in a 5.9. And, and this technology is that's what we want as enthusiasts. We want to pop the hood or, or talk about the truck. And it looks like it came that way, you know, which is really exciting. And I, I know you're busy. <clears throat> you got uh, I'm sure a lot on your plate today. I had two quick questions I wanted to ask you that came in from listeners um, this week in regards to transmissions. I thought you'd be perfect to ask these. So one uh, one of them, he's got a uh, ten speed Ford, so a six seven Power Stroke, and he's got a six seven with a sixty eight RFE. And he said, "Hey, I hear a lot that the overdrives in a sixty eight RFE are the main issue because the engine likes to lug at lower RPMs. Why or does the ten speed Ford face that same issue, having more gears and lugging it, and the clutch packs not being able to handle it? Or really, what's what would you say is the difference between the two as far as that low RPM, low line pressure?" You get a slip, now your clutch back's
0: gone? First of all, I'm going to answer that with no. Not only no, but hell no. That has, they, they are completely different transmissions. So, this is the problem with 68RFE. The, the, the key, the, the problem with the 68 R well, there's a lot of problems with the 68RFE, but let's talk about the overdrive failures on the 68RFE. The key problem with, this, with the overdrive failures on the 68RFE or, or RFE transmission in general is the the gear train layout so the way th- there's several different ways to design a transmission you know you had you have synchronous transmissions and you have non-synchronous trains you know the the old days of having like a synchronous transmission is like a 4100 right behind a 73 you know you essentially you turn on a, a clutch pack and a roller, a one-way roller clutch holds and all you do is put power in it and it the gear set, you know, you have first gear. Then when you go to second gear, you all you do is you move a shift valve and it applies a set of clutches. And then when that clutch holds, then the low sprag just overruns. And when you go to third gear, all you do is turn on a set of clutches and then the intermediate sprag overruns. So so those trannies, you know, like a 47, for instance, you know, you go to second and the band comes on and you go to third and the band releases. It's all basically synchronous operation for the most part. You know, kind of like you jump on your 10-speed and you roll and you roll it, and it goes click, 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 and it rolls up through the gears. Well, as training started moving into non-synchronous operation, that means that you didn't have sprags anymore, and the computer had to control the clutch pack application, apply, and release. And the very first manufacturer really to come out with this technology was Chrysler, it was their RFE series transmission. It was called the six o four transmission. It debuted in nineteen ninety in the Dodge Caravan, and essentially that is the. And guess what they guess what you could not keep together in a Dodge Caravan. Overdrives. Fourth year, <laughs> the overdrives. You know they yeah. called it an ultra drive transmission, but the overdrive clutch is always what burned up, and then it went from the six o four. And to a 606 and then a 42 RLE, which is the Jeep trainings we do today, which is which is all your um, 3.8 liter Jeeps, you know, the the you know, very, very prevalent. We, it happens we build a ton of those today because we had to take all our 68 RFE technology and and put that into the 42 RLE. So now it makes a badass little gearbox because they're all you know, these guys are supercharging, and turbocharging and everything else. But getting back to the RFE series, so we went from the RFE and then they made a 545. And the 545 RFE was the gasoline transmission um, behind, you know, everything Chrysler built. You know, they the six cylinders and then V8s. And they actually did kind of okay because the V8s were very, you know, very low horsepower and super low torque. And they had fourth gears and they programmed to have five gears. And then They got redesigned a little bit into a six-gear version, and somewhere along those lines, Chrysler decided that, wow, we need a six-speed automatic transmission to replace our 48RE, right? Well, the 545 basically got redesigned a bigger torque converter and a bigger output shaft. And we're done. And we're going to put it behind the diesel. So they basically took their 545 and put a bigger converter on it and turned pressure up a little bit and put it behind the diesel. Well, that was, that was the day that like the the gas transmission is just not big enough for the torque. So that transmission came out behind the 67 Dodge and or the Ram and it was basically designed to hold all this power and the way it kind of holds the power is it is they lean heavily on derating the engine that's where generally reliable if you don't touch the vehicle if it's completely stock as soon as you tune the vehicle at all the 68s are smoked well getting to the overdrive section the big problem on the overdrive section is one yes by allowing it to run at that low of an RPM and holding that overdrive clutch to hold all that torque when you're under power, puts tremendous stress on the overdrive clutch. But the bigger issue is because the way the gear set is laid out and the clutch, when you're in fourth gear on a 68 RFE, the fourth gear, the, the overdrive clutch actually, is at a me- it's kind of at a mechanical advantage. So it's not, it, it's not at a, an extreme disadvantage. When you go to fifth gear on a 68 RFE, overdrive clutch becomes enormously stressed. It literally is having to take all the load of overdriving, holding that torque against the case, and overdriving all that power against the drum and, and, and transferring all that power to the overdrive section to give you that that overdrive ratio. So. Really, in a nutshell, to answer the question, you know, not only is the 68 to RFE too small. I mean, remember, you can interchange parts for 545 gas training. You can take all those parts out and you can put them right into a 68 RFE and you can go around. They're interchangeable. They are the same size. It's the same clutches. So it is a gasoline transmission that's barely big enough for the, for the gasser to start with. And then you have a bad design behind it the bad design the overdrive clutches kind of don't have and so you know what what we've had to do in the aftermarket is not only make the overdrive clutches as big as possible which you don't have enough room in the case so you can only go so big and add more clutches and then crank line pressure like crazy you know and, and you raise line pressure enough and then you kind of you kind of you know you kind of mandate it you kind of give it a chance you know to handle the power but but the problem is is even after you do all that, I did a study when I, when we were working on the co-pilot, you know, the redesign of the co-pilot. Cause I've got a new co-pilot that we're going to release. That is really going to help the 68 RFE in a huge way. And we were trying to figure out why is it that, you know, it doesn't matter who builds it, if I build it, you know, if, if Suncoast builds it, if Randy's builds it, it doesn't matter who we all built, we all build a great transmission. The problem is they get out there and they have overdrive failures. And it's like, why, why is the industry dealing with overdrive failures? Well, you know, I've kind of like, we've got to figure this out because it's not just a thing. Well, it turned out that the overdrive clutch failure, you know, you know, obviously everything that I explained, but I still feel that we can make the overdrive clutch kind of work, is get, get it out on the road. Overdrive clutch clutches typically tend to fail with a guy. That is just like you and me. Well, maybe not Luke, you and me. Like somebody that, is, like a normal guy, right? So is just driving his 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 truck down the road with his camper on the back. He's in cruise control. He's like, you, you know, we've all heard this. Like, dude, the, the transmission was doing great. I had thirty thousand miles on it, and everything was great. I've been servicing the fluid, and then I'm just cruising down the road, and I lost overdrive. It just burned up. You like, I, I'm I like I don't know what happened. Well it's like that was the story that that's the story that we'd always hear in the industry like why are we losing overdrive failure? Right well i put all this implementation on it so i can you know look at everything that's going on and you know take a trip to kansas you know and we're cruising all of a sudden i see i start seeing a little bit of overdrive slip and i'm kind of like that's interesting you know it's not a lot of slip not enough slip for the computer to pick it up you know but it's just enough we're seeing enough of an overdrive slip and you got to remember with with any automatic, a clutch doesn't do the slipping. A clutch is disengaged or it's fully engaged. Any slip comes out of the torque converter. So the torque converter releases the clutch and it's allowed to slip. When the converter clutches in, it can deal with a fair, you know it can deal with about 50 RPM, which is a fair amount because it's bathed in and fluid. And the, and the way they're set up is they cool and and you can't slip too much because it'll destroy the converter, but you can slip enough where it doesn't damage the friction, and it doesn't overheat the fluid. Now, you know when you overheat the when you slip the converter too much, then you end up with the whole you know puking fluid out the dipstick doodle you know, which is what came out with the state advice to fix that. And then now Chrysler has their little fix, which is kind of hokey. But anyway, that's the the long term meltdown, right? But back to the clutch pack. A clutch pack is either engaged or it's disengaged. On the 68 rfe I started finding. They were on this hill in cruise control, like 25,000 pounds in the back, not, not, a, not a crazy amount, but a, a fair amount, good running engine. All of a sudden, there's a slow slip of the overdrive clutch, and that slow slip is starting to wear the friction and burn the friction and starts, and starts to fatigue, and then you know it releases and you know and in third gear and the fourth gear, and it kind of works. You do that a few times, you, you, the, the clutch starts to fatigue. Once you compromise that clutch pack, it's done a couple more cycles, you know, it might be, you know, two or three, it might be another thousand cycles, the clutch is fatigued. It goes away and poof it. Burns up. So we've got the point, like this was a perfectly built transmission that had the big clutches, the best clutches, good hydraulics, line pressures where it belongs. And then all of a sudden it begins to, to a slow slip. That's exactly why I ended up building a complete billet pump. You know, every single 68 RFE we build now has a like a thousand dollar billet pump in it. I mean, it's fully machined, it's a beautiful piece. I mean, but what it did is it literally cut our overdrive clutch fires, it cut our warranties literally in half the day I started putting that bigger pump in it. Because what was happening, in those long pulls, you're cruising, it's in cruise control, and it's like, where's it? the Cummins makes its max torque at 1700 RPM, right? I mean, it's like it's torquing. Well, you're six gear lugging the engine down by design, the way the axle designed it, and you're pulling that heel, boost starts coming up, the engine's, it's a locomotive, you know, starting to make all this torque, and the RPM's pulling down. And then all of a sudden, there's more torque than what the clutch can hold, and you get a slow slip because line pressure starts to drop just a little bit because the pump's not big enough because it's a positive displacement pump, so it's not making the volume that it needs to create the pressure. And So it's like this point of diminishing returns. So we realized that, man, the, the biggest problems with the 68 RFE overdrive clutch failures is it does not have a big enough pump. You know, it's not big enough. It's like the heart's not big enough. So literally like, okay, we can fix this by putting a heart on a bigger pump. And that and that made things like so much better, you know, and it made overdrive failures, but, it's still inherently the clutches are too small, and it's the wrong design. So, hopefully, that kind of helps answer that question, like the infamous overdrive clutch player. Yeah, I guess only one place, but it's.
1: Well, I think it does because it, it contrasts. It's not just a tuning or a programming issue. It's it's hard parts. It's the whole operation of it, which is vastly different, you know, than the ten speed Ford, um, and and that leads into that the last question I had for you, um, which is about the ten speed in the Duramax. And somebody had asked, I said, hey, I read all the time that it could take a little bit more power than stock, but it's just the physical limitations inside of it are going to limit how much power I could make with this truck. Is that something that um, you guys plan on looking at into the future of ways to be able to upgrade that transmission to handle some of the other, you know, power adders and things that people are going to do in the future?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, we're we're well into it. I haven't talked about it just because um, i just, i i really wanted to um talk about you know the the four or the gm ten speed stuff yet just' cause it's because we've not released it yet yeah. um but we have a ton we have a ton of experience you know on both those platforms along with sharing piece so the 8 hp transmission you know that's in Christ has been using for for some time shares a ton in common with the 10-speed um, Duramax and the Ford. And to answer your question, yes, um, it's one of my favorite trends. I mean, I'm very excited about both 10 speeds. Are they gonna handle more power? Absolutely. They handle power really well. Um, that transmission is probably one of the most advanced transmissions out there. Well, for sure in the diesel industry, hands down the most advanced transmission. Um, on the platform. I believe it's going to be one of our, one of the best out there, you know, one of our favorites. And there, there are a couple of areas in the 10 speed that need work. Um, we're, we're working through, you know, those hard part modifications, the biggest areas, um, and the Allison is actually in the converter. Um, it's in the hydraulics, um, and it's in the software. So that's where we're finding our biggest gains. And it's not, it's not just, a transmission. It's not just the hydraulics. It's not just the converter. It's just the the programming. I mean, it's kind of a combination of all of it. So it's, it, it's almost like the 68 RFE in the day. And I mean, not like a bad transmission. I mean, like uh, the amount of technology um, and modifications that it takes to take that transmission from kind of a stock application to a higher power application. It's the same it's the same kind of methodical, like okay, we have to look at the entire package. Yeah. You know, we have to like with the '68, we had to look at like the electronics, the hydraulics, the you know, the hard parts, the whole deal, right? It's it's a it's a full package. Um, and both the Ford ten speed and the GM ten speed, they're they're very they have they have unique problems, um, but they're they're very fixable and very attainable, very exciting. Yeah, so, so that stuff is around the corner. I mean, the, the whole ten speed. Revolution is
1: right around the corner. Very, very exciting stuff. Very cool. Well, I, I definitely encourage people to make sure and follow you guys on you know, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube channel, and uh, be able to catch that information first when you guys release it. But I really enjoyed our chat today. It was really cool to talk about the uh, the Allison TCMs, turbo technology, transmissions, 10 speeds, Allison swaps. And you got me excited for the future of, uh, of diesel performance, regardless of which truck someone may have you guys are cooking up some really cool stuff so i appreciate your time today clint thank you for sharing that knowledge with us and i uh, look forward to learning more about the seven threes you mentioned and uh some 10 speed stuff when you're ready
0: yeah next time yeah next time we'll talk about some of these older trucks too like it's good stuff it's a it's a uh, good time to be in diesel i was
1: don't forget diesel fans make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. use code 20 diesel for 20 percent off site wide check out their new duralock model it's something that comes with d2 steel it's fully ambidextrous and then also um you know, when you open or close it your fingers aren't in the way so it's a really cool new product they have a ton of new ones they released for 2023 so if you're in the market for something for hunting fishing edc something thrown a toolbox great way to save some money with code 20 diesel for 20 percent off site wide also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23 Diesel, um, Jay Cole, Joe W., um, John. We appreciate all their support. All of our other Patreons, all of you who subscribe on YouTube, podcast apps, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, those of you who are on our Discord, love the feedback that you guys give us and love to be able to take your suggestions and then work them into future
0: episodes. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.